Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is behind the scenes where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. Throughout July, our program considers revolutionary documents, famous writings that help transform ordinary discontent into all-out revolution. The Stamp Act was one such document. It said that colonists in America would have to pay taxes to England for things like newspapers, licenses, and diplomas. Colonial Williamsburg historian Linda Rowe is here with me now to tell us what it was about, these new taxes that infuriated the American colonists. So I guess, what is a Stamp Act? Uh, stamp duties uh, had a long history in England. Um, it was a, a way of collecting revenues by requiring that a stamp be placed on various products made of paper, paper itself, licenses, all kinds of court documents, wills, for example, even playing cards. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a way of raising revenue, for the government to raise revenue in England. And so, um, as, with, as with many things, everything in life, I suppose, and history, uh, the Stamp Act that raised such a to-do uh, in the American colonies is, of course, connected to other events. Mm -hmm. And it grew out of the fact that the, the British government had just signed a peace treaty uh, to end the Seven Years' War, the French and Indian War, uh, the American phase of that war was known, in 1763. And by that, by that treaty, Britain acquired all of Canada, everything French east of the Mississippi, and some other areas. And so their empire in North America that needed administering and defending was greatly increased, not to mention the accumulation of a large war debt uh, for conducting seven years of war with France. And so Parliament had the quite reasonable idea that the Americans ought to help pay for their own defense uh, and possibly to help reduce the debt from the war itself. And so uh, George Grenville... Uh, at the, in the British government proposed in 1764, proposed to Parliament that they consider uh, levying a stamp tax on the American colonies. Now, this would have been the first direct tax on activities within the colonies. I, I think that many colonists were uh, adjusted to the idea that there would be maritime taxes, import duties, export duties, that kind of thing. But the Stamp Act or the proposed stamp duty was the first time that a direct tax was going to be levied by Parliament on activities going on within the colonies, everyday things, where you needed paper to record your will or uh, play with a deck of cards, that kind of thing. And so as soon as Gren Grenville proposed a, a, a stamp duty uh, to raise revenue in the American colonies, uh, as soon as word reached America within a few months, an uproar began. And the, the basis of that was that uh, American colonists felt that their constitutional rights as British subjects were being trampled upon in a, a, a hallowed 
area of those rights was that you were not to be taxed by a body in which you did not have any representation. And so the, this is really the beginning of that no, uh, no taxation without representation that uh, became such a familiar um, rallying cry. Rallying cry, mm-hmm. right, a good way to put it. Right. And so when the Stamp Act, uh, as it was officially known, was passed in 1765, um, in the spring of 1765, uh, the, the colonists were already in an uproar about it and had sent uh, petitions to be read before Parliament, uh, memorials to be read in the House of Lords and, and uh to the king, Parliament refused to even acknowledge that any of those petitions had arrived in England. And so once the Stamp Act was passed, word reached America within a few months in the spring of 1765, and almost immediately uh, a number of activities started that... uh, A lot of people got A lot of people got (laughs) But, but the Stamp Act, the idea of uh, if, if it's on paper, you have to pay a tax. Right. Uh, that was not particularly new in England, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, I can't give you a chapter and verse for every time uh, such, a, such a revenue had been laid in England. But it was a time-honored way of raising revenue. Mm-hmm. And um, the... the the individual amount on uh, that would be charged uh, on any individual document would was small, but you can imagine the the proliferation of things that yeah. involves paper. Yeah. If you uh, take you know, this, everything that a piece of paper right. and put a stamp on it, right. uh, you're going to get a lot of money. Right, and 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 one of the things that developed out of this is the fact that if if the if the stamped paper hadn't arrived or if the stamp Commissioners, and I'll talk about them in a minute, uh, had not arrived with their stamps, uh, then ships might not to be might not be able to clear harbors because their their paperwork, their bills of lading, and so forth had not been stamped. Courts might not be able to operate if they chose to uh, wait for stamped paper or for the stamps to come. Newspapers, as you can imagine, particularly with pamphlets, newspapers themselves, almanacs. Uh, cards. All kinds of things like that. Um, m- many newspapers ceased publication for a period of time. Some bordered their their uh, newspapers with you know with black borders to to uh, say that they were going ahead, <laughs> going ahead you know in spite of this. So it was it was a mixed bag. But in in every colony, um, quite quite an uproar began over this and continued. Um, uh, in Virginia, for example, um, the General Assembly meeting at the Capitol in Williamsburg was was the first official body in in the colonies to adopt a series of resolutions now now known as the Virginia Stamp Act Resolves, uh, written and proposed by Patrick Henry and defended by him in debate with the famous uh, Caesar Brutus or if this be tyranny speech uh, and thereby establishing his reputation as a leading spokesperson for, for the patriot position. For that reason alone, if I were the English Parliament, I would regret the Stamp Act. Right. 
because they made Patrick Henry a hero. I, I, Henry I, I a think you're right. And I also think that, um, you know, it's well to keep in mind the British, the British position on this. They, they really were baffled by the American reaction, thinking that they, that there was no question that Parliament had every right to tax Britons wherever they lived in the world, whether at home or in the colonies. Uh, that they had this uh, large debt that uh, had accumulated because of a war that was helping defend the American colonies and has now enlarged the the area that needed defending in, as a result of the treaty. Um, and so they were baffled by the American, what they saw as kind of splitting hairs over over uh, the right or uh, the right to tax uh, the Americans. And I also think that there's uh, something else here. There's a, a suspicion that there was a conspiracy to deprive Americans of their constitutional rights. Uh, when, when in this period, when Americans are talking about recovering their rights or protecting their rights, they mean as British citizens. They don't mean as independent Americans. They're trying to protect or recover, as they see it, uh, their constitutional rights as as British citizens, but it was their right not to be taxed unless they were represented, wasn't it? Or that, I got that that, that, that is uh, that is that was certainly their position, and there's there's ample evidence to support that. And I also um, think that you know the other point they were making was then that their own legislatures in the colonies were then the the ones that had the right to tax them. That was where their elected representatives were. The House of Burgesses in Williamsburg, the people sitting, the Burgesses were elected by the, by the electorate in, in, the, in the colonies, albeit more restricted than it is today. Yeah. But at <laughs> the same time, e- each, of the, uh, each of the colonies uh, felt that their own legislatures were where, where the right to tax lay and that it lay in the elective body not with the governor's council and so forth. So that mm-hmm. another time-honored tradition of having revenue bills originate. <laughs> well, you, you know, if if from the from the English point of the British point of view, yeah. you've just fought this war, mm-hmm. and let's let's be honest about it. Basically, it is to protect the American colonies. No question about that, because it wasn't fought in Britain; it was fought here. Right. You know, basically the Ohio Valley. So, from the English point of view. Asking you to help pay for your own defense is not an outrageous imposition. Well, as as uh, as all of us probably have feelings of patriotism that rise when we tell these stories, from this distance, I can easily understand that. That seems reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, if you look at it from the English point of view, the British point of view, um, they were... I think they were, as I said before, baffled by this reaction. I also uh, wanted to point out that there were a few members in Parliament who actually felt that Parliament should not be taxing the Americans. And so, you know, there was a few still small voices uh, (laughs) on the American, (laughs) supporting the American point of view in Parliament, but they were drowned out by, by the... The mainstream, of course. The Stamp Act was never actually accepted in the American colonies. It was not. That's a that's a very good point. 
Uh, I mentioned before that I wanted to get back to the Stamp Act commissioners or agents, as they were known. Each colony had an agent that that had uh, would would come to the various colonies with the with stamps or with in a, a stock of stamped paper, depending on which was needed. And um, you know, from the very beginning, these agents uh, endured harassment, being hanged in effigy. Uh, property destroyed, uh, their lives threatened. And so one by one, starting in the Northeast in New England, these Stamp Act agents began to resign, you know, throughout the spring and summer. (laughs) Gee, I I wonder why. (laughs) Uh, Mob scenes ensued. Uh, One of the, I think it was the North Carolina agent escaped north from North Carolina, but he was, he was, identified by a, a, a crowd in New York and also forced to resign. Here in Williamsburg on October 30th, I might say that the Stamp Act was, was actually scheduled to go into effect on November 1, 1765. All of this knowledge that it had passed occurred back in the spring, so all of this lead in, up to the November 1st was uh, you know, quite an exciting period. But the George Colonel George Mercer, the Virginia agent, arrived in Williamsburg on October 30th, and he was immediately assailed by a mob, an angry mob, on the Duke of Gloucester Street. And they, they kind of coursed up the street surrounding him. And when they got in front of the coffee house, uh, the governor and some of his counselors were sitting on the porch of the, of the coffee house uh, talking over the, the day's uh, uh, occurrences in the assembly. Uh, and when Governor Fauquier, a very popular governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor Francis Fauquier of Virginia, realized what was going on, he strode off the porch, uh, unconcerned for his own safety, and took Mercer by the arm. And they proceeded up the street with the angry mob kind of muttering and uh, nipping at nipping their heels. And, uh, at their heels, and uh, eventually escorted him into the to the governor's palace where uh, things were allowed to die down, but he, he resigned the next day, of course. What a wonderful greeting. <laughs> Welcome to Williamsburg. Right. We'll hang you. Right. So, uh, so uh, those agents really, uh, you know, didn't last long, and I think it, it soon became apparent to, uh, to Parliament that, you know, repeal was the best, was the best course. <laughs> That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Checkhistory.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.